The Razorback basketball team beats another top 25 team in Tennessee, and they keep it rolling. The Razorback baseball team wins their series against Illinois State and Jawan Howard. All right. We'll talk about that all on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I'm your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. And if you're a Razorback fan, you got to be pretty happy with the Majority of things that happened over this weekend, which we'll try to cover where the overlapping of Razorback basketball and Razorback baseball, of course, are taking place. And there's plenty of things to dive into from that as well. But, of course, got to start with the Razorback basketball team and their win against the Tennessee Volunteers, a uh, Tennessee team that was ranked, depending on where you look at, but about 16th in the country. Arkansas, of course, trying to climb up the charts there. And before this podcast uh, was, uh, or at least during this podcast being recorded, uh, I don't really see any of the AP poll or anything coming out just yet. So we'll see where Arkansas is actually ranked. Uh, and then we'll probably dive into that a little bit more tomorrow. But I would assume that after this win of 58 to 48 over the Vols, we'll probably be somewhere around, you know, maybe 16, 17, 18. I feel like uh, in the way that Arkansas won and the fact that Tennessee is a really good basketball team, uh, that's something that uh, I think a lot of people are going to look at. Now Arkansas has sole possession of third place in the SEC with, of course, on the road at Florida coming up. You got Kentucky at home on Saturday. It's going to be a big one. And then you have uh, LSU at home, and then you go to Tennessee. So you're talking about three of your last four games being against quad one type opponents. And Arkansas, of course, uh, knowing that they can continue to climb up the rankings there in the AP, but also maybe even the SEC. Lots of opportunities coming forth. But uh, going back to specifically to the Arkansas-Tennessee game, 58-48, it was a, you just look at that score and you're, you could pretty much tell exactly what type of game it was, which is the type of game that I expected to have when you're going up against Tennessee. Rick Barnes in Tennessee, good coach, good program, good team. I think there's a lot of respect there for, um, for, for that team and what Rick Barnes has always been able to do. Because even though – He's never really been able to, to win a national championship or in, you know, he's, he's just always been a really solid coach. No matter where he's been, no matter what he's done, you can always count on his teams to be really good. And this was no exception. So, But the thing about Arkansas that we continue to know is that if you want to try to beat Arkansas, you better be able to get hot from three or hit your shots. Like, this defense is just incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And to me, this was the best defensive performance that Arkansas has had so far this year. Like, Tennessee is not a bad offensive team. Like, they're more known for their defense. But they're a team that's averaging roughly around 74, 75 points per game. And you held them to 48 points. <laughs> all right. Like, you'll take that all day long. Tennessee shot 27% from the field, 16% from three-point land, as well as 66% from the free throw line. And you see that, and you're like, wow, that's incredible. But on the other side of it, too, give Tennessee a lot of credit. They did a good job against Arkansas defensively because Arkansas only shot 30% from the field, 22% from three-point land, and 77% from the free-throw line. Uh, so 
it was just a really good defensive battle between two really good defensive teams. And Arkansas being at home, Arkansas being able to have a few more players make some big-time shots, uh, J.D. Note coming in and doing his thing like he always does. Jalen Williams, I mean, you can't say enough about this guy. He goes 13 points, 16 rebounds, gets a steal, gets an assist, or two assists and a steal, one block, and only one turnover. That's efficiency, folks. Now, he did go 6 of 13. He did shoot a lot. But he played nearly every second of this game. He played 39 minutes and 41 seconds. And he took four charges in this game, too, which I think his count now is up to 41 charges on the year. That's insanity. I wish that there was a way, and I haven't been able to see, but I wish there was a way to find out where there would be a stat to see who has the most charges taken in the SEC in a, in a single season. As it has to be Jalen Williams, or at least he has to be flirting with it a little bit. Like, I, I just see that, and I am just – I always tweet out, I'm like, Jalen Williams, MasterCard, because, you know, MasterCard, credit card, charge it, charge. It's lame, I know, but I'm still going to get and continue to do it. But, you know, he is just so good at being a threat more so than anything. And now he's a great player, and he's a great defender. He, he's got a good offensive game and everything – but he screws with the minds of opposing teams and, and their offense, where even in the scouting report, they look at this guy, they're like, hey, guys, he takes charges now. You can't just go and try to get a foul on him. Like, he, he will stand in there and he'll take a charge. So now players and teams that love to drive into the lane, they got to be wary of him. And when they see him, they almost have to make the split-second decision of, crap, do I, do I stop and shoot up? Do I risk going into him and maybe getting the block foul? Do I kick it? Do What, what do I do? Because I, I don't want to get another charge and, and a turnover. And it's just, I think all of that mentally just screws with teams more so than anything. And I think Jalen Williams knows that. I think he does it as good as anybody. And that's where it's like, he almost gets the benefit of the calls too, which I'm not saying that, you know, every charge, all 41 charges that he has taken so far this year we're all legitimate charges. Let's just be honest. I'm sure there are a few here and there that eh, probably could have probably could have gone the other way, but you'll take them if you're a Razorback fan. But I think just because that he is a player that has that reputation of getting that call and being in good position, he's going to get the benefit of that call. You know, it's kind of like having a player that's really good defensively. Like they and the people know that he's really good defensively. He's going to get the benefit of uh, being able to pick your pocket a little bit easier, having uh, to play a little bit closer on you just because of that reputation alone. So Jalen Williams has developed that. And I think that when you look at all the reasons why Arkansas is doing really good right now, Jalen Williams cannot be talked about enough in, in, in the job that he's doing. And what's great about it is if you think about, you know, Stanley Amude didn't play well in this game. He went two of 12, Oof. 0 of six from three. Not a great game of him. Trey Wade had four points, but, you know, you had DC Tony, he had eight points, still struggles. One of six from the uh, from the field. I thought a lot of the times, though, when he went up for layups and he missed them, I thought a lot of those times he got fouled, too, but no calls were given. Uh, Chris Likes didn't do a bad job at all. I mean, eight points, four four assists for him, uh, six of six from the free throw line, as well as DC Tony going six of six from the free throw line. And uh, DC also had ten rebounds. So ten, eight points, ten rebounds out of him. Arkansas only turned the ball over ten times which was awesome too. And you could tell that it frustrated Tennessee. Now, when you go on the road to play Tennessee in Knoxville, I'm not going to feel too great about Arkansas actually winning that game. Yeah, but, and there's no shame in losing it. And I hope Arkansas wins it. 
But man, you, you just tell that Tennessee is is a good team, and it's a team that's really going to be tough to beat twice in one year. But you got this win, and that's what's most important about it. And now you got Florida coming up on the road, a place that you have not won at since 1995. That's a fact. You have not won in Gainesville since 1995. You've won at Kentucky multiple times since then. <laughs> but you haven't beaten Florida on the road since 95. That might be one of the weirdest stats that I've ever heard. But there's just something about Gainesville. And granted, they've had a lot of great teams down there during that span. But there's just something about Gainesville that's caused problems for Arkansas. And I don't know if maybe it's the fact of the chlorine from the pool because, you know, they have the whole like basketball court pool. Same thing. Chlorine hits you. It's bad. So maybe that's part of it. Uh, I don't necessarily know, but I really hope that Arkansas can finally end that losing streak. And the thing is, is Florida's a decent team, but they're coming off of a big win against Auburn. They beat Auburn at home, like huge win for them. So maybe there'll be a little bit of a hangover. Maybe there'll be a little bit of feeling themselves, and maybe Arkansas can go in and take advantage of that, similar to maybe what Tennessee was feeling after they beat Kentucky. But if you beat Florida, which I think you will, and I think you should, get that monkey off your back. You're talking about a team in Arkansas that's 22 and 6, 11 and 4 in conference play with Kentucky coming to town. I don't want to look ahead. I don't want to start talking about them until Arkansas takes care of business against Florida. That's key. But, folks, you have been very blessed to have a lot of great games in Bud Walton Arena so far this year, especially in this three game span. They're going to try to do a stripe out for Kentucky. We'll see how that goes. Never do the red out, by the way, ever again. The 18 million shades of red that were in there and it disgusting look of it. Never do red outs. White outs, stripe outs, fine. Don't do any more red outs. That was bad. Anyways, but if you have that game against Kentucky and you know that the energy is going to be there and you know that it's for positioning because if Arkansas could beat Kentucky, that puts them even closer into that position of getting second in the SEC. Buddy, we're, we're going to party. It's going to be It's going to be a rager. We're going we're gonna to fight somebody. Like, it's going to be great, and I cannot wait. But take care of business against Florida. Hogs, keeping it going in the basketball side of things, too. But we do want to talk about baseball in the opening series of the Razorback baseball team here in just a second. But first, football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam in both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds and totals and player performance props and to where even the next fired head coach is going to land, BetOnline.net remains the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for your sports scores and podcasts and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline has also been your number one source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right down to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the actions. Head over to BetOnline.net where the game officially starts. <laughs> Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so Razorback baseball, number two team in the country, opens up the series in Baumwalker Stadium and what was a beautiful weekend in Fayetteville and, you know, started weird, but you won the series. You lost game one. But you came back and you won game two and you won game three and you won the series and d1baseball.com, which, of course, is the place that I always put the most stock in when it comes to rankings and everything in college baseball. 
you didn't move. You're still the number two team in the country. So you got that going on. But, uh, you know, I could sit here and really dive into a lot of in-depth analysis of each and every game that Arkansas played uh, in baseball. But let's be honest, that would be boring. You don't want to hear about it. And I'm not a baseball aficionado enough to even feel comfortable even doing all of that. I will have various guests on the podcast that will be able to do those things. Not me. I'm not even going to pretend. You know, I'm a BS artist by nature, but even I can't BS that enough. But still, watching the series itself and uh, being able to see just a few takeaways from it in the opening series, uh, I think that uh, we can at least dive into that as well. And, you know, looking at game one, the one that the Razorbacks lost, I think it was really disappointing to see the the hitting or lack thereof. Um, that was the thing that I was probably more disappointed in than anything. I was I was seeing some of the stats where Arkansas, of course, uh, lost by a final score of three to two. And Connor Nolan comes in first off. And in, in his first inning, ooh, struggles. Uh, he walks batters. He has a balk. Uh, I mean, it just it just was a bad start, and it just seemed like once that kind of set the tone for the game, nothing else really went right right for the Razorbacks. In fact, uh, the biggest stat from that, though, when we talked about hitting, is the one through five in the lineup, which, you know, usually supposed to be reserved for your, your go-to hitters. Uh, in that Friday game, they went 0 for 17 with zero hits and six, uh, six strikeouts. Ew. <laughs> that ain't going to get you uh, in a position to win very often. So, uh, yeah, that, that was not good. But here's the thing. Like we know with baseball and college baseball, it's a long season. Lots of things can happen. And there were times, too, where we saw Razorback baseball in the beginning part of seasons struggle a little bit. Now, last year was, I think, like what you're hoping last year wasn't was just the complete and total package because Arkansas started off great. They played in that. Um, classic down in Arlington, forgot what it was called. Um, but they, you know, they played down there and won it, won all three games against really good teams. And so you kind of set the tone there as well. Uh, but we know that this is going to be a working progress when it comes to Razorback baseball and uh, where they're going to be at. But you know, game one was not good, the hitting was not there. Uh, the pitching struggled a, a little bit, especially uh, with, uh, with Connor Nolan in the very beginning. I think he'll be fine. I still have faith in the kid. Uh, but I also believe that Van Horn is open to all options in case things uh, change out and all that. But anyways, they lost game one. And then in game game two, Hagen Smith, who was this true freshman. I mean, the guy just turned 18. <laughs> like true, true, as true of a true freshman as you can possibly get. He gets the nod. He gets the start because Dave Van Horn was talking about all week long how even though that he was only an 18-year-old kid when he walked in, uh, to spring practices and all those things, he was pitching like he was 22. Said that it was really impressive of what he was able to do. And he comes in, and man, like I I was really impressed from him just from the get-go. The nerves didn't get to him. He just rolled right out there and, and got it done. And I was, I don't know, I, like, I see that, and I never want to put too much expectation on a kid, but I'm like, this kid might be the dude. He might be the real deal, Holyfield, that Arkansas is needing and maybe could even move himself into position of being the ace pitcher uh, just because of the stuff that he was able to have. But he struck out five uh, people over six innings on the mound. And, of course, Arkansas won that game 5-1 to one, um, Saturday afternoon. But uh, this was just according to the official release. But he was pumping first pitch strikes on 19 of 22 batters faced. All right? Like, he didn't care. He wasn't trying. He wasn't nervous. He, he went out there with confidence and was just able to go right at him. 
And, uh, you know, because I would think that in a lot of those cases, too, some pitchers that are in that position may try to be a little bit more conservative, you know, because you don't want to get just uh, someone hit a piss missile right on you as soon as you throw your first pitch. But not this kid. This kid had complete and total confidence in what he was able to throw and was able to really harness it and uh, really have some cause some problems for them uh, there as well. So I love the kid. I thought he was incredible. And Arkansas's offense and bats start getting going a little bit more, too. Uh, Caden Wallace got some stuff going. Michael Turner got some stuff going. Uh, and, of course, the relief pitchers came in, a few of them, like uh, Taylor and uh, Heston Toll. I, I really like Heston Toll. I really wanted to see him uh, continue to to get better and get more opportunities than that. But I was always a really big fan of him. But, yeah, Arkansas comes back and wins game two, and Hagen Smith was kind of the star of that as well. And then go to game three where Jackson Wiggins comes in, who Jackson Wiggins has the the, the hardest throws and the hardest pitches I I don't I can't remember uh, in Arkansas history who who throws the ball harder than he does. Uh, so I mean I think he was capping out at 98 miles an hour on fastball. So the dude's got some smoke. He can throw some gas. And so I'm him being the Sunday starter. I'm all in favor for. And he he did a really good job of it as well. Uh, in fact, uh, between him and then Cole Ramage, who came in uh, in relief, had 11 combined strikeouts. Arkansas won four to two. And what's funny about Cole Ramage? Is that the kid? He's he's 25 years old and he's on the Razorback baseball team. Like he was on the Razorback baseball team in 2018 when they made the College World Series run. Like that's how long he's been on campus and has been on this team. So, uh, but he looked really good. Uh, so Jackson Wiggins, Cole Ramage uh, looked really impressive too. Uh, they, again, they won the series. That was the most important thing. But the bats got to get going. And Peyton Stovall, I wanted to bring him up because a lot of you who follow me on Twitter, you know, I'm a huge fan of him and. I've talked about him. He he struggled a little bit, but finally got his first hit in that third game of the series. And he's I I just think he's going to be awesome. He's going to be great. I, I really have a lot of I, just from what I've been hearing and the potential of him. He's going to be great too. But we also got to give a shout out to Balls Battles, Jalen Battles, and so many people still don't remember. I call him Balls Battles because last year, in this time last year, in fact, a year ago, was when he was kind of emerging as a guy with a lot of confidence, a lot of swagger. And I just like the fact that I don't know why. Maybe it was because I was with my friends. We were watching it on that flow sports thing last year. But I was just like, yeah, this guy's got some balls. Balls battles. So for those of you wondering, that's where the nickname comes from. But balls battles, man. He's awesome. Like, he, he's he's the best shortstop, defensive shortstop for sure, that Arkansas had under Dave Van Horn, in my opinion. I don't think that there's been a better defensive shortstop than him. Dude's incredible. And he's coming up with big hits as well. I can't believe he didn't get drafted last year. I know he had the injury or the surgery that he had to have uh, to, to get him back to, to where he needs to be. But the dude's incredible. And I can't wait to see all the double plays that him and big Bob Moore are going to be turning this year. And uh, I, like he, he's picking up right where he left off. But if Arkansas can just you know figure out the bats, get those things going, which we know they're perfectly capable of, this team's going to be really good. And we know that this is not going to get any easier, especially heading into uh, this upcoming week. They're going to the Round Rock Classic at Dell Diamond, uh, and they will go up against Indiana, who's 0-3, by the way. And I think they also play Stanford, which Stanford is the number seven team in the country right now. So another top 10 matchup and another great test to really see where this Razorback team st stacks up. So uh, it should be great to see how it all goes up. But solid start for the Razorback baseball team. You won the series. That's all that matters in the end, winning series. And uh, hopefully they can continue to build and get the offense going as well. We'll talk about the whole Juwan Howard thing, because I got some thoughts on this here in just a second. But first, this is the time of year. Remember, we've always given up on our uh, 
New Year's resolutions of eating a little bit healthier and all those things too. But hey, listen, we, we got to keep fighting though. We got to keep at it. And luckily, Built Bar is going to be able to help you out with that as well. If you have little stashes of sweets and candies and things like that, maybe those are the ones that are really killing you because they're so easy and accessible and convenient for you. Throw them all out. Replace them with Built Bar. I promise you they'll taste just as good, but be so much healthier. They only have 130 calories in most bars. They're covered in 100% chocolate, and they also have 17 grams of protein. And with different flavors to choose from, there is zero reason to continue to try to go with other sweets that aren't as healthy for you when you can have something like Built Bar that tastes just as good. And if you go to the website right now at built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order. It's as simple as that. doesn't matter how many you order, 15% off, boom. Just use that promo code LOCK15 at built.com. Again, LOCK15 at built.com. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so final segment of the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. I know that we talk almost always Razorbacks, and I want to always keep it that way, but there are some things that would get everybody talking that I feel like are warranted to talk about on this podcast, especially things that uh, I have a lot of thoughts about. And if, for those of you who uh, may have missed it, and if you have, man, you need to watch it. So over the weekend, uh, specifically yesterday, I guess on Sunday, uh, Michigan and Jawan Howard is their head basketball coach, and they had been taken on Wisconsin. And we know that then Big Ten, you know, there's always Wisconsin's always really good in basketball. I don't know why it's weird, uh, but they're always a really solid program. And uh, Michigan, we know, has always it was been better. Like last year, they were really good under Jawan Howard. This year, you're, they're not as good, but still, it's Big Ten play. And just to set the scene, and again, this is just all coming from what the coaches have said and everything. Essentially, Wisconsin was blowing out Michigan. Like the game wasn't close, but uh, Michigan was continuing to full court press like with 10 seconds left to go in the game. And uh, it was kind of annoying because it's like you, you see what happens. Like, okay, in fact, I'll just I'll just read it this way. Just that way we can go through it all. Uh, Jawan Howard said he was angry over Wisconsin's timeout usage. Wisconsin called two timeouts in the last minute, including one with 15 seconds left when the Badgers led by 15. But what uh, Wisconsin was saying is that he wanted to reset the 10-second call because we only had four seconds to get the ball over to half court. I didn't want my backups uh, to put my backups. I had to bench all my bench guys in the game. I didn't want to put them in the position of scrambling with only four seconds left. So I took a timeout and got us a new 10 seconds so that way it helped him get organized and get the ball in, and he did not like that when I came to the handshake line. Um, so essentially what it was is that he was trying to get the, back, uh, the backups because Michigan was full court pressing even with 15 seconds left. And Juwan Howard was mad and didn't want to go to the handshake line. Once he went to the handshake line, Juwan Howard basically was very like Adam and uh, the he uh, head coach of uh, is Greg Gard of Wisconsin. He just kind of goes at him and is like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to remember that." Well, Greg Gard kind of stopped him and touched him. Be like, "Hey, man, what you know? Going back at him too? Like, hey, what are you talking about, man? Like, what's going on? What's wrong with you?" So it kind of gets and then Juwan's like, "No, don't touch me. Don't touch me." And then it kind of gets to this whole thing where they're having to be separated, and then. What takes it even to that next level is because you see stuff like this happen all the time. Well, a Wisconsin assistant coach, Joe Krabenhoff, he kind of gets in there and starts kind of, you know, chirping a little bit too. Not, not into the face, not even in the face of Jawan, but just kind of chirping at him. Well, Jawan then, because he's huge, he's Jawan Howard, reaches over and kind of like slaps and grabs the face of uh, 
Krabenhoft, which of course leads to a melee. You got players fighting and punching and all those things too. Now, everybody had their own reaction to this. And for some reason, people were being very protective of Jawan Howard, which I thought was strange. Here's my thought on the whole deal. I look at it from across the across the way and across the whole like sports sphere. What would happen if that if that type of behavior happened in any other sport or any other league at any other level at any other time, whatever? I think in most cases, the coach would either get fired or suspended for an extremely large amount of time. One of the two. Uh, I was starting thinking about it in football. What if, like, just because I want to take them and because they seem like the type that would be this way, what if Eli Drinkwitz was, like, going over to the handshake to Lane Kiffin and they kind of got in a scuffle and he just kind of, like, slapped and punched or slapped and hit, whatever you want to call it, Lane Kiffin. There in the handshake line on TV, everyone sees it. He would seem like to be the type that would do that, the little man syndrome that he has. Like, what would happen? I think he'd probably either be fired or suspended the entire year for the rest of the year. Like, that's a bad look. And it's, and you know what? They should be. That's not anything you want to see. Like, it's one thing to get into an, a heated debate and argument. It's competition. It happens. But as a head coach, you can't, especially in college, you can't punch or slap another coach in the handshake line of all places. I don't care what's being said. You can't do that. You can't do that in football. You can't do that in baseball. Like chirp, all those things happens. Debate, argue, heat, it happens. But as the coach, even players get into it. Don't it's not saying it's right, but it happens. Coaches need to be held to that higher standard. And Jawan Howard, to me, I've never been a huge Jawan Howard fan. I think the Fab Five is the most overrated college uh, sports story of all time that everyone keeps referencing because, okay, yeah, it was cool. They were all freshmen. Yeah, it was cool. They were kind of, but they didn't even win a title. Like, great. But I just think that so many people pumped them up to be so awesome. And it was like, okay, great. Yeah, I, I don't really care. But anyways, Juwan Howard um, seems like the type where he just doesn't take losing very very well. And I think that as a coach, like there, we've seen this a lot where coaches who were iconic players who become coaches at a high level, like, you know, to Penny Hardaway, I think it's kind of the same way. They just don't take losing very well. And they not only just losing a game, but failing in the season, not being where they need to be. So instead of being able to handle it in a way of just keep grinding, they kind of lash out a little bit. We see that happen. And I think that Jawan Howard, you know, with the rest, I think he should be suspended the rest of the year, personally. I don't know what the punishment's going to be, but you just don't, you just don't punch somebody or you don't put your hands on somebody. And now, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, Greg Gard for Wisconsin is completely without blame either. Like, I also think you shouldn't just grab a coach and tell, like, you know, hold them there and, and talk to him. I don't think you should do that either. Uh, but still, at the end of the day, you can't grab somebody, throw a punch at somebody, slap somebody. You can't do that. Cannot do that. And then the thing that made it even worse is that, like, John Howard after the game was, like, not even apologizing about it. Didn't even feel bad about it. Like, okay, you can't have that. Because then, what? Look, look what look what happened. You had players then punching everybody and like going into fights. You know what escalated that is when you punched the coach. Those players do not start throwing punches. Fans start don't start doing. You start throwing things at you if that if you did not do what you did. And thank goodness that nobody got seriously injured because we know what happened with the malice at the palace type stuff. That could have escalated that. Because I'm trying to think of it like imagine at the Arkansas perspective. Imagine if some coach at Ar or for that Arkansas was going up against. Imagine if they took a swing at Eric Musselman 
Like after the game, Arkansas won one big. Say, they say if it's against Kentucky. And like Calipari took a swing at Eric Musselman. I think they the fans would rush the court again, but this time it would be to tar and feather John, John Calipari. They'd run him out on a rail. Like it, it would be, he would be sacrificed to the gods. Like it would just not, it would be horrible. And, but that's what fans do. They protect their guy. But if that would have happened in Arkansas, I'm just, I, I, it would have gotten bad. Verbal altercation, still people boo and yeah. But when you throw, when you throw a swing, that's when things escalate. Not when people start arguing, but when you throw a swing, people start, that's when it escalates. So I'm, I'm, if Juwan Hour gets suspended the rest of the year, I'm fine with that. He should be. You can't do that. Just can't do it. Those are my two cents on the matter. Not that any of you care. Appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. And also on YouTube. Keep that YouTube page growing because we're going to continue to grind it out on the video side of things as well. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see.